Hey everybody, welcome to The Realist Idealist. This is Astra, your host, and welcome to episode two titled, But What Can I Do? To be honest, this was not my plan to record this episode as the second episode. Actually, I hadn't even had a plan to record it at all when I set out an outline for the first 10 episodes or so. But I wanted this podcast to remain fluid and relevant, and I feel like some of the communications that have come to me via social media, via via friends and acquaintances over the last week, are at this place where they're looking at the world and they're looking at the writing on the wall and they see it, they get it, they get what's happening. And now they're into the next phase of asking the question of, okay, cool, but what can I do about it? And I think we have to be very careful as humans not to get stuck in that commiseration phase. Don't get me wrong, I love a good venting session and I'm really good at it, so I'm not opposed to it whatsoever, but we can get stuck there. So I saw this energy that says we're ready to move on and I wanted to take that and run with it for this episode. So Thank you so much for being here. We're going to bridge the gap between the real and ideal of what can I do to change the world and be an efficacious human in my environment. So let's get to it. All right. So one of the things that's really stood out to me as I've pondered the question, what can I do to change my world for myself, is that we don't have control over everything in our lives. And I know I'm not giving anyone any news here that they don't already know, but we do tend to be hyper-focused on things that we really don't have any control over. We spiral into this place of negativity. Ah, oh, but I don't have control over this and that and the other, and there's nothing I can do. And, and if we sit there long enough, that morphs into something else. That looks a lot like, well, somebody else should do something. And then when inevitably no one else does something, then that morphs into this attitude that there's just nothing to be done, which is a very hopeless place to be and to live. And so I want to change this current spiral because this hyper-focus on what we don't have control over means that we're not actually standing in the places in our lives where we can have influence. We're not in the efficacious places in our lives. And I think it would behoove us, I think it would behoove the world if we got into a better habit collectively about doing that. Because the truth is that yes, there are many things we don't have influence over or much influence over. But the other truth is, is that we often aren't taking ownership of the things that we do have influence influence over. Sorry, not sorry, tough love moment. But all scolding aside, let's get a little bit more specific. What do we have control over and how can these be positive forces in our environment? Well, case in point, healthy people contribute to a healthy society. I firmly believe that. So I think that one of the things that we can do is we can make ourselves as healthy as we can today. Now, all of us have health challenges that we're dealing with. Some people are dealing with extreme health challenges. Some may be more minor, but we can all be the healthiest person that we can be at any given step in the journey that we are currently on and really stepping into that place of ownership over our health decisions is really beneficial, not just to us, but to all people. And I know that this is, there's some give and take here. For instance, you might not have control over the air quality that you're breathing at this very moment. That might be be determined by natural forces and unnatural decisions that were made well before this moment, but we do have control over how we breathe. We do have control over taking the time to do breathing exercises and to do meditation. We have control over that. We might not have control over, to some extent, the water quality that we have, but we do have control over the amount of water that we are drinking. And I understand that 
these things that I'm talking about, there is not necessarily equal distribution among all people. There are some people that might have more means to access higher quality food or higher quality water. Um, And so that's a different talk though. Um, Just to say from this particular talk is that we can take steps to become more autonomous in the choices that we make for our bodies and also just to say that healthy people beget healthy people and healthy people beget healthy societies. And how exactly this happens? Well, all sorts of ways. From an economic standpoint of supply and demand, it happens, right? If we choose organic food, we get more organic food. If we choose non-GMO, we get more non-GMO. You know, if we insist on higher quality drinking water, we are at least more likely to get higher quality drinking water. Um, This happens from a social and cultural standpoint um, and and from just normalizing some practices and behaviors that lead to healthy people. So really focusing on our individual health is one thing that we can do at this time when we have a society and a culture that's really struggling with collective health and struggling with collective health issues. And I suppose now is a good time to say that when we say health, we tend to gravitate quite naturally, like I just did, towards physical health. And I am not excluding, actually I am very much including psychological, spiritual, and emotional health as well. I find that the health of the mind and the health of the spirit is extremely important when things start to get a little bit shaky in society. The health in those areas of your body is where you find that inner truth. That's where you're able to finally stand in your own wisdom and not have to live in such a way as people, so that people have to feed you truths. And I have air quotes around that. You can't see me, but they're there. You don't need to live in such a way that people are feeding you truths that they would like you to see. When we're not standing in efficacious places of our emotional, psychological, and spiritual bodies, we become very vulnerable to experts, also in air quotes, very vulnerable to experts because we're not accessing our inner knowing. There are things you know, you know it, and you might lack evidence and you might lack explanation, but you know certain things to be true. And the more that you are able to sit in your emotional, psychological, and spiritual bodies in a healthy, balanced state, the more you will know, the more access you will have to truth and wisdom. So this is an important thing to foster. Now, you might not be healthy in all of these bodies right this minute, but that is your journey to develop and maintain the health of these bodies, your physical body and all of your non-physical bodies at one time. And we need this because it's our non-physical bodies and our physical bodies. It's our health as a whole that gives us the things that we desperately need right now. It's our health as a whole that gives us things like resiliency, that gives us things like flexibility, that gives us things like fortitude and courage. We need health in all of these bodies. And you're just going to start with with where you are, with what you have, and with what you can do. But I truly believe that if we stand in our own autonomous health choices, that we do contribute positivity and positively to the world at large. I truly believe there is a ripple effect there. And finally, one of the other things that I think we can really focus on in order to contribute change in our lives is knowing our values, determining what those look like within our lives, and then living those lives fearlessly. That's a three-parter there. Know your values is one. Decide how those values look like once they're incorporated into your life. 
acts too, and then live them fearlessly. Now, fearless, that's not the same as reckless, but it's also not the same as without risk. Fearless, you can address something fearlessly with a lot of foresight about it. You can think about it a lot beforehand, and you can take calculated risk in doing so. It's very different than reckless. When we opt to live fearlessly, we take our mental state out of the primal sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, or freeze. Don't forget the freeze, because a lot of people live there. Fight, flight, or freeze, and we can elevate into what we love, 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 love about ourselves, which is our rational human thoughts. We are very proud of our rational human thoughts. It's something that we groom in ourselves and in our children, and we pride ourselves so much when we're rational thinking human beings, even if we aren't being rational thinking human beings at all, but that's a different talk. But we can't get there. We can't get to our rational thoughts if we're living in fear. Now, fear has a place. It has a place when the threat is imminent, meaning it's moments away, in which case we don't want a whole lot of thinking. We want a lot of doing, and we want to do it now, and we don't want anything in the way of that. There's a place for that. But truly, honestly, most of us do not live in that place very often. There are some of us who have very rarely been in situations that require a genuine response from the sympathetic nervous system, and yet we're in that response a lot, almost all the time for some people, and that's a problem. When we sit here and we live in fear and we live in our sympathetic nervous system, we cannot get to those places of rational thought. Keep that in mind. Check yourself here. If you are scared, you are not in rational thought. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just recognize it. I'm scared, so I know I'm not in rational thought. Equally important to not being in rational thought, when we live in fear, we also cannot access intuition. What's intuition? being informed by feelings. What's rational thought? Being informed by facts. So we can't access either one of those if we're down in our sympathetic nervous system, which I want to reiterate is not, absolutely not, not, not a place where we are designed to live in for more than a few minutes at a time. By its nature, fear is a temporary condition. And it's vital that we fight any urge to make it a permanent one. And it's even more vital that we don't use it to inform our decisions. We need to elevate out of that fear response and into these places where we can access important information, making decisions based on information, informed decisions from facts and intuitive decisions from feelings. And I know we train feelings out of people. And and that's unfortunate. A lot of us need to combat that as well, that we've been taught that that's not a great mode of decision making. And I don't think that the squashing of intuition is completely unintentional because it's a very internal mode of decision making. I can control a lot of the information, but I can't control your feelings as easily. It's done, but not as easily and not in the same ways. And that's why we can't live in fear. We can't live in a place and by place Understand that I'm not talking about outward situations, though certainly some situations lend themselves to more fear or more security than others. I'm talking about the inner places that we inhabit within our psychological, emotional, and spiritual selves. We need to live in a place where we have access to our rational mind and to our intuition, our mind brains, our heart brains, our gut brains, and we need to have all of these available to us now. It is so important that we know what our values are what it looks like when we apply it to our lives, and that we do that fearlessly so we can live in a world in such a manner that we're getting constant, rational, and intuitive information at the same time. Super, super important. And so the third thing that I want to address here when it comes to what you can do to change the world is this. Play to your strengths. 
which I think on one level sounds super obvious, but really we're trained for our entire lives, certainly the entirety of our education to focus on our deficits. So we need to bring this idea, bring the practice of this idea into our conscious awareness. Always go to your strengths. If you're a writer, write. If you're an energy worker, work energy. If you're a light worker, work light. If you're a doer, get things done. If you're a thinker, think. If you're a bridge builder, connect a doer with a thinker. If you're a healer, heal. If you're a speaker, speak. I really feel like there really isn't one way to enact change on the world. If I were going to put it simply, I would say that the best way we can enact change on the world is to offer the world the best versions, the healthiest versions of our most authentic selves that we can day by day, hour by hour, and minute by minute in a manner that actually lets the world see us. But exactly how that looks like, I mean, if you're out at a rally, if you're fighting in the legal system, if you're donating or raising money, whatever, that varies person to person. And that applies to the types of change you'd like to see in the world as well. Work to your strengths. I really don't think this is something that needs to look one way or another. Certainly, collaboration and coordination are extremely important. And certainly, your actions might not look the same all the time. You might find yourself called to different things at different times. But the specifics, even within a coordinated effort, are as individual as all of us. And it takes a little bit of all of us. We need speakers to speak and writers to write and people in the legal system to work the legal edge and and the energetic realm to work the energy. And we need people in time-space reality to move things forward in a physical sense. And we need people to come up with great ideas and creative solutions and problem solve. And we need all these things. And we can't be all these things at once. But we can network together. And that's why we really need the bridge builders. Those are very, very important. And I'm not one of those. So I'm very envious of those of you who are. Like, just in awe. Thank you for your service to those of you who connect people together. So appreciate you. So I want to leave you with this again. And this resonates back from my first episode. That the best thing that we have to offer the world is ourselves. The best thing we have to offer the world is our authentic, healthy selves that are living in an authentic, healthy manner according to our values. I think if we all did that... The world would change, and quickly. All right, thank you all. That's it for me. I'm trying to put this podcast out weekly, but I'm new to podcasting, so it's going a little slow. So bear with me while I get settled. Thank you again for being here. I wish sovereignty for all of us, but I want to extend a special wish of sovereignty to you. May you have autonomy of your thoughts, jurisdiction over your mind, and independence in all of your actions. Until next time.